Welcome to our podcast, Who Isn't Fucking Crazy? He's Doug Engelman, visiting assistant professor in sociology at UNCW. And she is Stacy Colomer, director of the School of Social Work at UNCW. And we are here to answer the question, Who isn't fucking crazy? excited for today's guest. We have Elizabeth Walters, who is a lecturer in the Department of Chemistry, and she got her PhD at the University of Georgia. Go dogs! Go dogs! Um, And just a little (laughs) background, Elizabeth and I met during new faculty orientation, and we were bus buddies. And so we have maintained a relationship all these years later, even though she is chemistry, I am social work. We usually, yeah, usually our worlds don't collide. Right. But I've invited her today to talk to us about an experience she had as a host family for a student who was here from Scotland on a study abroad. Yes. So. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you. Well, I am happy to be here and share my story. It was um, interesting to be asked and then to bring back the memories of that time because some things even now are still very difficult to think about and work through but my family um, I have a husband I have two children um, we have a bunch of pets but um, that summer um, in 2018 the university had asked volunteers faculty staff and then um, in the community to serve as voluntary host families for international students and it wasn't that they were going to live with us, but just to be a point of contact so these students could see what life in an American family would be like uh, separate from their university experience. And we agreed that we would give it a try and we were uh, hooked up with a girl from Scotland. And we tried our best. We did you know, the initial thing, they do like a beach party at the Beach Blast um, to introduce the students to the families and our kids were involved in sports at the time so we were kind of going into it thinking we'd have um, her over once or twice a month she could go to the kids games with us if she wanted to we were in the process of um, our children going through confirmation at church so if she wanted to participate in that with us and kind of thinking about the fall semester I thought like we'll have her for Thanksgiving we'll invite her to our children's birthday party like she'll just be sort of like a cause like an extended family member that we see you know from time to time and all was going fairly well until the hurricane Florence came through and um, the university had sent an email to the host families telling us that we were under no obligation to shelter these students. We could if we wanted to, Um, but when the university mandated that students evacuate campus, the international students were included in that. There was, they couldn't stay. Um, So they were either to go with friends, other students, their host families, or they were going to go to UNC Asheville and uh, who had offered gymnasium space and um, assuming that the evacuation time would be like normal you know three four days uh, my husband and I invited our student and to come to our house and she brought another international student with her which was fine with us um, who didn't really have anywhere to go And then as the forecast and everything changed with the impact of Florence, we decided my husband would stay in Wilmington in our home and I would evacuate to Georgia with our children, uh, these two international students and our dog. And we ended up in Georgia for about a week and a half probably. Um, And we tried, my in-laws are wonderful people and they were um, gracious hosts to the 
to the flood of Wilmingtonians that were coming in. Um, and they were kind to the international students. We celebrated one of the girls' birthdays there. It was just, it was really nice. And then, um, you know, it was hard, but, but not shockingly strange. And we came back to Wilmington knowing that uh, UNCW would still be closed for several weeks. Um, and the girls then moved into our house. Uh, our children, I don't remember even where we put them, but uh, at the time they were sharing a room, so they, the two girls then shared a room at our house. And they were there probably two and a half to three weeks. Things started going downhill, I think, for the Scottish girl when we got back um, to my house. And um, it seemed like it was, I don't want to say like petty stuff, but you know, having two 20-something-year-old girls share a room when they didn't really want to share a room, um, that was an issue. Our dog um, was, who's uh, not, no longer with us, but she was handicapped, so there was always so much work with her, and I think that was an added stress that they you know, weren't prepared for. They had no transportation other than what my husband and I could provide. But it got really bad when we were finally allowed to move the girls back into the dorms. And they moved back in on a Saturday and we woke up on Sunday and I had dozens of text messages and phone calls from university police, the other international student um, who was British, and then um, the hospital because the Scottish girl had taken an entire bottle of Tylenol. I don't know if, uh, on top of having had um, consumed very likely a massive amount of alcohol, um, which was interesting because she had not been, um, she didn't drink when I met her, but by the time she moved back into the dorms, um, it, it, it was like a totally different, different student. Um, and I somehow, was reported as her emergency contact to the hospital, uh, which is why I started getting all these phone calls. And it just started really, really falling apart at that point in terms of trying to pull strings to keep an adult who's not related to us um, local for her psych evaluation after uh, the hospital, the hospital considered what she did a legitimate suicide attempt, so it was a mandated <coughs> stay. But I assumed that because it happened in Wilmington and she was at a Wilmington hospital, that she would be in the Wilmington um, behavioral analysis, whatever they, the behavioral unit. Um, but that wasn't true. They were going to put her wherever they could find an open bed. And we had reached out to some friends of ours, the husband of whom um, was involved uh, in the hospital as probably chief of staff, high-ranking um, physician, pulled strings to keep her in Wilmington. And her parents were apprised of the situation. They did not come to the States. Uh, the university was involved in the sense of um, she got a caseworker uh, through the dean of students' office. But we were kind of just left without a lot of support. So we were trying to, my husband was um, at the point of like, you know, washing his hands of it, but it's because it was more my involvement that was, because I was, I guess I was the point of contact from her through the university and then to all these external agencies. And when she got out of the hospital and got back to campus, it was, I think she was struggling in classes. I don't know if she even, uh, she may have dropped some classes. Um, and then she was back on campus, I would say three or four weeks. And then she had another incident um, where she was cutting and um, they did the same thing. They called the university police and then EMS came, took her to the hospital and I woke up again to dozens of texts. The cutting that she had done had been uh, very superficial, so even, th so it wasn't, I don't want to minimize what she had done, but it wasn't a situation where um, there was a immediate, she could die from this attempt. It was more like she had wounded herself. Um, but there was something going on, and I, I do believe she was she went had another stay at a behavioral unit, but we couldn't do the same. We 
we couldn't ring the same bell and keep reaching out and keep pulling strings um, to help because it wasn't helping. Um, so she did go to a different um, behavioral unit. Um, I want to say it was in Raleigh. Again, I was the point of contact. I was the one who was given like the four-digit code to be able to call and check on her. I was not responsible for the transportation to or from the clinic. Um, and it wasn't until after the second episode with the cutting that the Dean students really started insisting on putting pressure on her parents to pull her home. They felt the Dean of Students Office um, had told us that they couldn't force her to leave because it was whatever was going on with her was considered a disability and um, they couldn't discriminate against her by forcing her home even though it really wasn't a, we don't want you here event it was you need assistance that we can't give you. Um, her parents are divorced. Her father came to pick her up. Um, I did meet him. It was a very odd interaction. Um, he seemed awkward. Um, he thanked me, but there was no... He acted more in, like he was inconvenienced that he needed to come and get her. But she did end up going home early, and then um, the communication... I was relieved when she left. I thought, okay, it's going to be okay. I'll get my life back and focus on my children and not her but it it just changed the intensity of her interaction in terms of what she wanted she would call at all hours of the night um, if she was out um, in the bars and out in Scotland and she would tell me things that it was shocking like, it was very strange because she would say things like I think I'm going to go to University of Georgia for graduate school and I went to University of Georgia for graduate school. And she was like, I'm gonna take up running. And I was like, hmm, I run a lot. And I, I couldn't quite figure out, at some point it felt like I wasn't sure if she wanted to be my child, because she called me mom and she referred to my husband as dad, which was strange because she does have parents and she's 21 years old, or she was 21 years old at the time. And I couldn't tell if she wanted to be my child or if she wanted to be me. I was, uh, we spent a lot of time um, kind of trying to analyze this and, you know, even reaching out for help. I, I felt like I ran into roadblocks and I was like, I just don't understand what's, what to do and, and how to help her while also helping myself and protecting my children. It was awful. And, and at that point, um, you know, I had just, we, my husband and I just, we, it shut a door for us because we had gone into the experience thinking how wonderful it will be for our boys who at the time were early to mid-teenagers um, to interact with international students, uh, perhaps pick up a language, uh, just kind of expose them to a wider world and all we did was bring chaos into our house. Um, and it was just, it was just very strange. Um, she got she went to church with us once and then she decided she wanted to be baptized and she wanted us to be her godparents. Like I said, she went to the University of Georgia to watch a football game once and then she wanted to uproot her life again, move to the States um, and go to the University of Georgia. And it was just, I, I, I just don't understand what was going on. It ended up one night she um, was out and in the bars and she started texting me that uh, she had been smoking and drinking and she was wanted to um, go home with a boy and and she wasn't sure if that was safe and I, I mean I ended up screenshotting everything sending it to the Dean of Students and saying I need help like this like, I need to know I'm blocked her on every account every social media that I personally have um, and I still, to this day, have the text messages on my phone because I'm terrified that she's going to come back or there's going to be some sort of, you didn't do enough or, you know, you, you, hurt, you, you weren't there for her when she needed you and you abandoned her um, because it was so unhinged in terms of behavior. She has parents and a family. She has a sister and, a, at the time, a nephew, probably another one by now, and I, I just... It's like I, I'm, 
I was just supposed to be the person who invited you to dinner once a month. <laughs> that was supposed to be my job. And this is what it's like in an American home. And it wasn't supposed to be me trying to, to rescue her. Do you have, did you ever get a sense or did you ever hear what, if she had a formal diagnosis in all of the processes that you guys went through? Um, I do know that she had, I, like she had been very premature at birth and that itself brings complications. She, Stacy and I talked um, a lot about the situation because Stacy really witnessed it all unravel and unfold um, about how, yes, she was 21, but she acted so much younger. She acted more like she was 15, 16, um, rather than an adult at 21. Um, since she went home, and after I blocked her, you know, I didn't really know anything about her until I feel like I was um, kind of reflecting on this because I do know, I don't know how I found her again on some kind of social media. She did end up having to have some sort of um, surgery. I think it was a, a brain surgery actually. Um, so there could have been, and it probably was something that was going on. Um, I do know that she had like she had been in school in Scotland, she had taken some time off and she had gone back to school. Um, so I do think that there was stuff brewing. Um, it could have been like a, a medical issue that was causing um, mental health issues or it could have just been mental health issues to begin with. Um, but there was definitely something going on, but we weren't, we didn't know and um, We've, like I said, since we've cut off all contact, we don't really know anything other than I think that she's still, um, she's graduated and I guess off doing whatever it is she wanted to do. So what are the lessons we can learn from this fantastic, uh, yeah. amazing story that you've just told? Well, I think, um, you know, I did reach out. I did, it's not that I didn't have help from the Dean of Students, but there wasn't, it, it, I don't think the Dean of Students had ever dealt with anything like this before either. I don't think anybody knew what to do. I don't think the, the office that manages international students coming, I don't think they had ever experienced this. I don't think anybody was prepared for this. And I, including the Dean of Students, the, and I had gone to, into DePaulo Hall to talk to the counseling center just to get almost just like I needed somebody to talk to and um, they did sort of squeeze me in but it was made pretty clear to me that the counseling center is not for faculty it's for students and I understand that there's because they need the students need a place where they can go that doesn't require off-campus transportation I, I get that but if you are the counseling center and you have a faculty member so anybody associated with UNCW coming in and saying I desperately desperately need help. I am not trained in this. Like I can, I teach chemistry for goodness sake. Like I know nothing about what this girl needs and how to help her and how to get her the help that she needed. And then to be told, well, the counseling center is not really for faculty. And I was like, well, I need help. I desperately need help. And I thought at the time, I really, the international student, that program, the leaders really did seem to um, give me the impression that they were going to use this as a learning experience going into future semesters. Um, but once the school year wrapped up and I never really heard anything back from them. Um, and, you know, when you look at the timeline of it, you know, the university was just kind of just barely recovering and getting things somewhat back to normal. And then COVID. Yeah. So it was like, you know, when the university talks about, like, we had this, and that, this is not a criticism of the university, but when they say we had an 18-month or 24-month difficult period of COVID, yes, that's true, but when you, when you look at the people who were in Dobo Hall, who were affected by Florence, our upheaval has been 
three years or three and a half years. It hasn't, you know, 2021 was the first semester we were back in Dobo. I believe it was 21. And like I had a real office. I wasn't in a trailer. I wasn't being moved around and bounced from place to place and things in boxes. Um, so three and a half years of just, you know, of a hard, hard time. Um, and I think that what happened with me and my family and this student has kind of just been forgotten. Um, and I, you know, I don't know, I don't remember any kind of training. I, I just volunteered and I know I filled out a form because I remember, you know, hoping that the student that we were linked up with would be male because I have boys and I thought that they would um, bond well with. Um, a male international student. So I do know that there was something that I, there were some preliminary things that I had to do, but there was nothing provided of like, you know, this is who you call if this, if they need a medical issue. Like, we should be told like, um, the university needs to have something like, these are the doctors that you call. The international students need to be told that this is the not your host family that's just volunteering to have you over for pizza once a month, but somebody needs to be the point of contact in the event that there's a major issue, and it doesn't need to be people who have no training. You're so right. This this reminds me of um, when an airplane crashes. You know, it's not one thing that went wrong. It's a multiple system failures. Like mm -hmm. many things have to happen for a plane to crash, and when I hear your story as a whole, at the time we focused so much on you and and the student and that, you know, at the very micro level. Mm -hmm. But really this is a huge system issue, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it is about what can the dean of students do? What can the international programs do? What can her host university do? Like her home university, mm -hmm. what is their involvement? I mean, the idea that they had, we on our end had to work so hard to convince our parents to come get her. Oh, yeah. Well, it feels like the home university should have been working as hard to do something to get her yeah. back home. Um, you think about the the cultural differences, and I don't know the how they would deal with a similar situation in Scotland, but for sure there's differences, right? There's cultural differences, um, there's probably policy differences and in, in where people go when they have a suicide attempt, how long they're held that are different than in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, so there is there's so many layers to the story and I, I do wonder where we are now because you're right it it could have gotten lost with all the other crises we've had in the last four years. Remembering the story might not be on the top of everyone's mind. They They have to be thinking about and in fact, I just went to the leadership training for study abroads, and they were talking about what happened during COVID and how they had to suddenly evacuate students back home, and one student got stuck, and and what they, how they had to manage that. So it it is probably your experiences. I don't. I want to know if it has been addressed. Yeah, we had um, some communication from the international programs at the, like I said, I think that's towards the end. Some of it's kind of a blur of, of timing. Um, but we basically got to, my husband rarely, I would say, puts his foot down firmly. But he was like, we are never doing this again. Yeah. Never, never. We are never going to do I'm not doing again. it. Based on your experience, yeah. I remember when it happened. I was like, oh, I'm nope. not volunteering for that. Never. And I told them, I was like, I'm never doing this again. And we did... Um, it took a while for them to even take my name off the email list. I would get, and they, they had a Facebook group. I had to you know, remove myself from all of it. And then, uh, because like I would get the, when I got the next year's email of, do you want to do this? My, I swear to God, my heart started racing. My blood pressure price shot up. I was like, I can't do this. Even if my husband hadn't said, we're not doing this again. Just the, the experience itself was so hard. I remember thinking, like, I have probably neglected my children during this time. Um, and even things like uh, there was one night, because uh, they didn't have anything to do. The university, when the university was closed, we weren't allowed to 
assign any homework, okay? which is fine. I mean, that it all is fine. I have no problem with the way the university handled that four weeks. We couldn't come back. There was so much damage. But those, they didn't have anything to do. They had nothing to do. They had no personal transportation. They were just sitting there. And there's only so much that you can do or I could do to entertain them when 50% plus of Wilmington is damaged. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there oh, were, and you had children to also entertain. And, uh, yes, yes, because they were you know, out of school. Um, and there was one day that uh, the girls had asked my husband to take them to Target. He was happy to do that. Um, and the Scottish girl was 21 and she bought a bottle of wine. Again, nothing out of the ordinary strange, um, except that it was one of those larger liter and a half bottles. Um, and she drank it, the whole thing that night. And at some point, I, I, we kind of lost track of, you know, it's getting late and my, they're 21 and I'm not 21. And I was like, I'm going to bed. It's 9.30, 10 o'clock. Um, and I think, I can't remember if it was one of my sons or the, or the British girl came in to wake me up um, because she had consumed so much alcohol. I mean, it was, it was, it was awful. Like, and I, um, you know, she had, the British girl and I who had to help her like with bathroom issues and stuff. She was, in retrospect, I should have called, um, she probably could have had alcohol poisoning and, um, you know, just taking care of her and thinking like, I can't have my husband help because I can't have, I was afraid that, you know, the next day she could wake up and be like, he touched me. And it's like, well, yeah. you know, we were trying to carry you to the bathroom. So you didn't vomit in my house. Um, and the, she woke up the next day. We, I was furious and I walked in um, and, I, and I was like, I, you're grounded. I grounded her. I grounded a 21-year-old girl in my home. I was like, you're grounded. I'm, you cannot do this in my house. And I was like, this is crazy because I spent more time in those two and a half, three months parenting her than I did my own children. Did you have the option at that time of calling the university and saying, you've got to come and get them, these, these girls, I can't handle this? Would, it, would, would that um, have been an option? I'm just curious. You know, I don't know. There was kind of a, they either go with you or they go to Asheville and sit in the gymnasium. Um, you know, and I kept thinking, like I would, every time I went through my head, I was like, they're better off in my home than in a gymnasium. They're better off in my home than in a gymnasium. But I was not better off with them in my yeah. home. My children weren't better off. My husband wasn't better off. Um, and some of the like the issues that were like the suicide attempts um, and really the mental decline really started after she got back. It, so during that hurricane time, there wasn't really any communication from the university that I recall them asking, how are things going with these? If you took your international student, how are things going? What can we do? Um, but I think, you know, like to your point, Stacy, this was just one issue in a sea of disaster after that hurricane. So, you know, the university, I don't think there were enough people to really handle all the issues. Because there were large issues like we lost Dobo Hall. Um, where are those faculty going to go? Where are those where are those classes going to be held? Is the building going to be condemned? Is what is FEMA going to do? There were so many things that were going on. I think that something as small as I wonder how these international students who are with these host families. I wonder how this is going. Um, so I just think it was a like a, just a minute detail that was lost in the grand scheme of. The hurricane and yeah. the aftermath, um, and communication and the rules around communication were very strange. So um, we weren't allowed to contact faculty. 
-hmm. So I I kept saying, like, I want to know how everyone is. I want to know that everyone's safe. And and there had been a rule that you're not allowed to do that. And then all of a sudden they changed the rule, like, weeks in. Like, okay, where is everyone? We want to know if everyone's okay. Um, And that's when it became clear, like, faculty had lost their homes. Students had lost their homes. Dobo was wrecked. Every single building had damage, Mm -hmm. um, including some dorms where students lost a lot of stuff. Um, and so I, I, one of the things I think happened was, oh, they're at a host family, they're fine. Yeah. It'll be okay, mm-hmm. as compared to the, the bigger things that people are dealing with. So they'll be fine, but what about the host family? Right, right, right. Yeah. right. I mean, the stress of this is incredible. I can tell you still are yeah. feeling it. I, absolutely. Um, I, once, once she got back on campus and the Tylenol issue happened, um, the dean of students' office was involved. She did have a case manager. Um, it's a case manager I've worked with before and um, before this event and since this event, and she's wonderful. Oh, is it Amy? Amy, yeah. We interviewed Amy. I love yeah, Amy. Yeah. <laughs> she's the best. Um, and she was very helpful, but like I said, I, I, I think, like, because with Amy's job, she has so many, you know, these cases are not... Um, small when they get to the dean of students office there's a significant amount of um, effort that goes into managing these different issues that students have Um, but I think if if Amy was asked about this situation um, I think and I I, I don't know I've never really asked her I don't think she would have no I, I don't think this has ever happened before maybe with a with an American, like a um, United States student citizen, whose parents are somewhat local, because um, this girl's story is not unique of having a, like a break due to stress. Right. I, it's of not. It's not yeah. unusual. I think what is unusual is that it was um, an international student. Um, it was compounded by the hurricane. Um, I think, um, and I don't know if there's like any screen, like if there's any screening of students that goes in to making sure before they get here that they're going to be able to handle yeah. being here. She slipped through the cracks. They either don't do it or she made it through and there were red flags that were um, ignored. Yeah, well, I would wonder how rigorous any of that would have been right. screening. And you wonder, because so many international students, even in quote-unquote normal times, it's going to be stressful to mm-hmm. move away from home internationally. Uh, you would think that they would have, we, we would have some sort of a special sort of program to help teachers, faculty, mm-hmm. anybody, hosts, like, and, um, and, and their parents. Yeah. I have, um, I wrote a letter of recommendation for a UNCW student who wants to study abroad. Um, and they do require letters of recommendation, but um, you know, mostly from my perspective, the it was more could she handle academically? There was like a, yeah. like a, a place with open comments, like, do you think she can? This student can handle being away? But it's like I don't. I in she was um, she's in my general or was in my general chemistry class. I have 120 students, so I don't know any of them well enough. Um, to be able to say, especially, and she was an incredibly strong student, so academically, she was she was doing wonderfully in the class, so she wasn't coming into office hours. She didn't need me. So, you know, the letters, the recommendation I write is based on academic performance. I can't speak to her, you know, ability to handle the stress, and so it's almost like, even though there's a space for it, I'm not, I have no way to, to judge that. Right. Um, and so it's almost like they need, and I don't know what the other steps are, but they almost, I think they need to be evaluated almost by like um, somebody in the counseling center or a therapist, somebody who can say, give a stamp of approval of like, yes, this student has shown or, like, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe you can't make that um, judgment in, 30 minutes or whatever a screening would be, but any screening would be better than nothing. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, 
I think to your point that you said earlier, no one had dealt with this before. We can't create policy on situations that we don't know about. So, you know, UNCW might have never had anything like this happen. And so it's about what have they done since to address. So if it happens again, there is a protocol and we know what to do. And how are we preparing host families for all types of crises that could Mm -hmm. happen while a student, or should we even rely on host families? Shouldn't it just be, hey, go to pizza and a soccer game once in a while? Um, But the university takes the bulk of what's happening to that student Mm -hmm. on. I wonder, even looking at the two girls that I interacted with, um, the British girl had not signed up to be part of the family experience, and the Scottish girl had. So it's a completely voluntary program from the perspective of the student. Um, And then looking at them in terms of behaviors, um, it was very evident that the British girl did not need a family or a, 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 any support. She was fine. She was handling, she was excited, um, doing well. Uh, her experience changed dramatically as well after um, this all ended. But the Scottish girl, she, and maybe it had to do with her family situation. I don't know. She just wanted, she wanted a family, a new family, and that was not what we had signed up to do, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, we weren't looking to adopt, and I don't know, there was some times my husband and I, we would sit outside and be like, we didn't, we have two children on purpose, we didn't have, <laughs> we, we, we don't have three because we didn't want three, we can handle two, yeah. um, much less an adult one, yeah, and, and then we, and it, the limitations then of her being an adult and just feeling so helpless because if anything happened to my child, there is nothing that would stop me from going to my child. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Like I, I, there's this one scene in the, the Friends TV show when Rachel decides last minute she's going to go to Ross's wedding and she's like pay for like split the the airfare (laughs) on these six cards so I can get there and that's what I would do I would do anything to get to my child and the first attempt was far more significant and serious medically than the second attempt and you know her parents were just so meh Okay. Well, did you ever speak with her parents? I did, with her mother on the phone. While, while she was with you, early on, before mm-hmm. any of the problems? Uh, no, not before the problems. I mean, we very likely, um, I would have to look, maybe there was some email communication. Um, her mom, um, I was linked with both her mom and um, her on Facebook for a while. Um, and we talked on the phone um, while she was in the hospital. Um, the mom did seem much more um, alarmed than any interaction I had with the father, but like I said, no urgency of um, getting getting to her their child. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the only I think the last time that I spoke with the mother um, was after because I think the father checked her out of the hospital the second time. Um, and the hospital requ- uh, requested, I guess, or required a payment. Um, and the mother was upset about that. That she, she actually said the hospital held their daughter hostage until they were. And the, the amount, I mean, it wasn't considering that she had two hospital stays and two ambulance services and two behavioral stays. I have no idea what that would cost. But the hospital's fee for was $500. Oh. Wow. And and it was shortly after that that she went back to Scotland. And so, you know, the hospital in at least from my perspective, they're never going to see another dime 
you know, it, it's just a, it's just gone. And I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that I, I found her mother's response to our healthcare system, and it, that's a diff, that tangential conversation of whether it's right, wrong, broken needs to be fixed is not the topic of this conversation. But they did. They helped her daughter. They did. They followed the protocols. Um, they took care of her, and then to have, I, f I took it very personally. Almost that they were criticizing a system that had done its best to help their their child when they wouldn't even get on a plane and come. Well, and you wonder how much of it is cultural, how much of it is their dysfunctional family and that really contributed to her mental health problems mm -hmm. um and then and we get when americans travel we're accused of this too like going to a country and expecting them to cater to you instead right. of like leaning into the culture the idea that you should be very prepared if you're going to come into another country especially the u.s you're going to have to pay for health care now, the, the international students have insurance yes. that they pay for, yes. but we have co-pays, and they have yeah. to be paid, and that is different from your home country. Right. And I'm sh my guess is any, and I, I mean, I'm just, I'd have to ask, I'm sure that 99% of any medical care that the international students need while they're here, they can get here on campus. Mm -hmm. at the, at, and it's probably... A very very inexpensive if there's any payments due at all but this was off campus there isn't a person in a I don't that if you watch the news at all whether you're an American or not it's not a secret that we don't have universal health care mm -hmm. it's not a secret um, and I think that you know that would have been known to them prior to her leaving and coming here of like that, you know, healthcare is different here, um, but I, at the end of the day, I was like, they saved your daughter's life twice, and you're complaining about five hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas like, I and drop the whole thing in your lap on top. Yeah, yeah. Well, and not recognizing the effort you took. I mean, you when they wanted to. Um, transfer her the first time you used some favors and yeah. used your connections yeah. to get her better care in town so she would be more local yeah. um, and just the amount of energy and effort you took to take care of the student mm -hmm. um, having that not acknowledged yeah. is problematic I mean, I, those you know I spent day, hours, hours and days in the hospital with her we're the case manager, and I'm not. I don't want to be like it's Amy Hector's job because I love Amy Hector. I think she's fantastic. Um, you know, she changed jobs. Oh, she's with the HR now. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, but somebody needs to be twenty four seven responsible for this yeah. kind of thing. There needs to be an on call person from either, um, and maybe there is. There, like, there typically is, but. I don't know, again, because of the chaos that was happening at the time with the hurricane, I think, talk about the perfect storm. Yeah. I think that's really how this fell through the cracks. Well, I think each one of those international students needs to get a little business card size laminated thing that says 24-7 uh, mental health care, this number, 24-7 mm -hmm. case management, or dean of students office, this person, this number. And they need to have that, and that needs to be, or maybe, and even maybe the or the hospital needs to have a standing list, because if they're going, there's only one hospital in Wilmington. If something happens to a student on campus and they need to go to the hospital, we know exactly where they're going to go. Mm -hmm. You know, um, but you know, it's there are. Um, there are large, there are issues that are still happening. One of my um, colleagues fell um, on during work hours, needed to go get um, a couple stitches, went to the urgent care, and then it was kind of like in that 
at some point in that event was like, I, should, I wonder, since this happened on campus, if I need to call. Called HR, oh, and the uh, response was, well, you're at the wrong urgent care. You have to go to this other urgent care so we can do workers' compensation. So then he, get, he has to leave one that's close to campus and drive to another one that's not close to mm -hmm. campus to get care. And yeah. it's like, well, and, and then you're like, well, maybe you should have just done it and paid the copay and say, the heck with the workers' comp. And I don't know. It's just like, well, this has raised uh, an amazing amount of questions in mm -hmm. my mind. Yeah. <laughs> Things we have to think about. We're going to be doing ongoing research out of out of these interviews, mm -hmm. and this is going to be one we're going to have yeah. to really delve into. Thank you so much for yeah. sharing it. I know it brought up a lot of emotions, so I really yeah. appreciate you doing it. I do. I do too. I really yeah. appreciate it. Couldn't have been easy. No, but I mean, a learning experience, definitely, definitely, and I hope just that. Um, Try to give my students during work hours <laughs> all, all 150% of, of my mental effort and my physical effort. And I care about my students. It's, you can't be in the, these positions working with students, teaching students, if you don't have their best interests in your heart. And I don't, I don't want this experience to have closed me off from, but it definitely has built walls. I'm definitely more cautious. Um, and. It, it, it changed me, but it's, um, I appreciate the opportunity. It's in some ways, it's, it's, so, it's so good to be able to just like unload, unload it all and, and, and say, this is what happened. Now, you know, just get it off And some chest. good will come with this. Yeah, yeah I, I think so. I think so. Because I think international study abroad programs are wonderful. It's a wonderful experience. Um, but there's the, the foundation that needs to be laid needs to be laid strongly so mm -hmm. the students, whether they're our students going abroad or we're bringing in students, that they can succeed mm -hmm. um, and have a good experience in wherever they go. And it reinforces what we keep saying is all faculty need to have, and staff, mental health aid training. Yeah. Well, mental health training and mental health support. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I was, I was um, shocked when I walked, went into the counseling center in DePaulo and was basically told, we're not here to help you. Um, and now since then, we have that ginger program, it mm -hmm. seems, which I have not um, taken advantage of, but um, that wasn't available then. Um, and who knows if this, what happened with my, in my situation, if that was a domino piece in the decision to have a program like ginger available i don't know well they would have had um employee assistance i'm surprised they didn't refer, refer you that way mm. no adidas student's office at some point i think it was the second attempt was basically was like we're we're gonna do this we'll we'll contact the parents we'll get this and they ended up the parents were the ones who basically had to insist to the student to come home but no it was like nobody was willing to force her and it was like I understand that we have these protocols in place to prevent discrimination against people and I completely and wholeheartedly support that however there needs to be a point where you're saying we're not discriminating against this student because of her mental health issues what we're trying to do is save her mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. get her help and she can't get the help that she needs floundering in the US she needs to go home. Well, thank you so much You're again. Welcome. This is great. Well, that wow. was something. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, amazing. I uh, feel like I, um, I'm going to do a lot of research now to see like what else has happened since, like what has been put in place to, um, <clears throat> not that you can p completely prevent something like this happening, but our response can look very different. I want to yeah. see if oh. it, how can we, it's been addressed. This has got to be one of the major uh, focuses of our ongoing research. I yeah. have to share a story with you, though. That I didn't want to, you know, kind of step on Elizabeth's story, but this will be real quick. I had a very similar experience when I was an undergrad, which is only 2010. A fellow student, a young woman from uh, France, uh, and I became friends. We were study buddies, and, and uh, we had a... Uh, in our English lit class, and so we, we became friends. One day I get a call from her, and she says, can I come and stay with you? I said, what's going on? 
Well, she had had a psychotic break or some kind of episode. Um, she ultimately was diagnosed with uh, bipolar and depression. I had no idea any of that was going on with her. So she has this break. This is a small private school, 6,000 students. Um, they had no resources at all. So, what I, but my point is, this is a small school with no resources. We have this university here with all these resources and it really wasn't much of a different response. They made her leave campus. She was sofa searching, uh, uh, surfing for weeks until she finally was able to find a place to stay permanently with another student. They wouldn't let her back in the dorm until she got a uh, okay from a, a psychiatrist or therapist. And it was w months, actually. And then finally, at the end of the semester, she, she just said, heck with it, and go, went back to France. Or I don't know where she went. But the point is, that was one of my motivating factors, motivating factors that got me into what I'm doing, because I, the way this student was treated by the university or the college that I was going to. And here we are, 12, 13 years later, and not that much has changed. Yeah. Right? And, this is and two different kind of universities, <coughs> right? Yeah, so yeah. you were in a very small university where you think there could be much more attention on something right. like this. Right, they just didn't, they, 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 were, they had a tiny little counseling center, one or two people. As soon as they found out what was going on with her, they said, you gotta leave campus, you're a danger to yourself or others. And, you know, they didn't do anything else after that. It was like, so I get a phone call, kind of come and stay with you. And uh, she's going around with all of her friends and families and stuff. So anyway, okay. I wanted to share that. I didn't want to step on Elizabeth's story, but this is a huge problem. This is a huge problem, yeah. yeah. And so we, we got something to think about here. And, yeah. and see what's going on. Yeah. Special thanks to our wonderful engineer, Michael Magnanti. Thank you to the Department of Sociology and Criminology and the School of Social Work for their incredible support. We love you guys. Thank you to all our listeners. And don't forget to check out our next episode. Bye now. Take care.